Hey, this is Kimbra, and you are listening to Sound Sessions. I'm on top, I'm on top, I'm on top of the world. See me run, see me out, see me run with the girls. I'm on top, I'm on top, I'm on top of the world. Need a break, then I'll take to the top of the world. Sound Sessions. This is Michael Heidemann speaking to you. Uh, we're speaking today with the legendary epic artist Kimbra coming to Chicago on February 3rd. Speaking with Kimbra, you know, I, I was taking a look back at your Instagram at Kimbra Music and, you know, you had a few shots of you taking photographs and kind of flexing your photog muscle for a little bit. How long you've been doing this for? Yes, I um I grew up doing photography. So black and white photographs are kind of my my hobby. My father was a um, photographer while I was growing up. He's a doctor, but he also would develop photographs at home. So yeah, it's kind of something I do to switch off. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that because I've actually been trying to do a little bit of photography myself. Um, where, do you bring your cam- camera with you wherever you go then? Um, I certainly take it on tour just because I'm you know, going to so different cities and it's one of my favorite things is to wake up early and get off the tour bus and just walk with my film camera. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something I'd like to maybe get into more, you know, if I have more time. <laughs> yeah, so can we take it uh, by chance that Kimbra is a scrapbooker? <laughs> I mean, I keep the photos. I haven't put them into the scrapbook yet, but maybe, you know, maybe one day they'll be ready for publishing. Who knows? <laughs> oh, wow. All right, so let's discuss the the latest album. Um, the new sounds you've been putting out have been just phenomenal. I, I'm enjoying them a lot. Uh, your latest album, Primal Heart, how does it compare to the previous albums you put out? Yeah, I definitely said it as a reactionary album, and I think all my albums are kind of a a dialogue with the last, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to progress from where I've been and, and um, you know, speak to where I'm at at that time in my life. Um, so a big thing was that I moved from Los Angeles to New York. I've been living in New York now for over two years. Um, this city demands a lot of you, you know, it confronts you with reality, whereas I think LA, it's quite easy to escape reality, you know. Um, so I think in the music that came across a lot as well, I wanted to be more grounded with what I was Saying and, and the production, I wanted it to feel heavier and at times less dense. Um, so I think that, yeah, it, so far it's, it's got that feeling of, of boldness about and that's very much um, coming from where I'm at in my own personal life, you know? Yeah, I, I do feel that. I, a lot of the songs are very, very personal, and I, I noticed a lot of the song titles themselves are very positive. Uh, <laughs> y- you know, you mentioned in, an, in a previous interview that I was listening to that your lyrics are much more literal in this album. What moved you to pull back the curtain a little bit, it, uh, a little bit in this latest release? Yeah, well, well part of the meaning of the album title, you know, is, is very much about the sense of kind of embracing vulnerability and 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 strength and, and sort of courage in, in doing that. Um, and I realized if I was going to sort of talk about the importance of vulnerability, I couldn't avoid doing it myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was I knew I had to sort of expose a little more of myself's work in order to, you know, give others permission to do the same. Um, and I think it also came from, you know, a certain amount of maturity. Like, as you get older, you're just a little bit more ready to acknowledge your own um, human nature. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I felt a new sense of courage come over me. I mean, a few things brought me to that place. I did travel to Ethiopia a couple of times in the making of this record, and I think when you see the world from a different angle outside of your bubble, it can sometimes inspire you to be more direct um, with what you're saying and, and realize the platform you have, you know, realize the possibility you have for change in the world. Um, and I see 
that I do have a positive impact on people. So it's important to me that I'm honest to that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, now let's kind of start back in the beginning a little you have your roots in New Zealand, and myself, I'm living in a place like Chicago where the weather gets very, very chilly at all times. Uh, I think we get about three mm-hmm. months of summer, to be honest. Um, and, you know, Do you feel as though weather affects your music in a way? Because you said you were traveling to Ethiopia, you now live in New York. How is this music uh, being affected by the places and changes that you've been living? Is is it is the cold weather kind of bringing out more of a of a, of a stronger, more visceral Kimbra? Mm, that's really interesting that you asked that because it's actually a big part of who I am. Um, I'm actually a winter girl. <laughs> I love being in snow, and I think there's something... I just feel generally more alive um, in cold weather. I think, you know, seeing my breath come out of my mouth and actually, you know, the, the, the mist on windows, I feel like everything kind of takes on this very visceral energy in the cold, you know. Um, and, you know, Ethiopia, for example, is, is not a super hot African country. It actually rains a lot of the year in Ethiopia. It's mild temperature. So, you know, I love being in that kind of um, climate. Um, and, of course, New Zealand is... is, is temperamental with its seasons and so being in New York is a little closer to what I'm used to. Uh, Los Angeles was hard for me because I, I don't think it feels natural to me to always be in summertime. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's helping me to maybe unleash a more, um, yeah, like you said, kind of physical side to my music because I am in conditions that are a little more physically demanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's weird how how weather does that to you, you know, because I don't think that the Beach Boys would have the same effect if they didn't come from sunny California. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's <laughs> to think about. <laughs> it's it's very true. Okay, so you know you have this amazing life, and the fact is you're still very very young, and just I I love seeing the inspiration that just flows from your mind when you're writing these lyrics, and I'm listening to your sound. Uh, I wanted to know what is the music scene like in New Zealand? Were you playing open mics, and then you kind of transitioned into Gautier, or were you you know already in a band or did your parents push you into it how did you get your start in music well my parents were in medicine so it certainly wasn't something that they had in mind for me I just uh, was naturally gravitating towards songwriting you know writing songs even if you was eight on singing them into little dictaphones picked up guitar around 12 and that's when the songs became a little more jazz inspired and um, I was certainly doing yeah like you say not so much open mics but kind of yeah playing small things around the, the town um, I used to sing national anthems sometimes at sports games like just people knew I sung and so I would get you know after these things like that I did musicals um, and then I entered a sort of rock band competition when I was about 14 and surprisingly came sick in the whole country, I was the only girl in the finals of the competition, and things like this were all building my uh, confidence, you know. I was still only 14 at that time, and I was recording a single for radio and doing this around this kind of high school band competition, and then I moved to Australia, I was given the chance to record an album in Melbourne, um, and that album was finished and ready to come out even before I worked with Gautier, so yeah, I mean, I, I left school at 17 and, and started a debut album, um, and that was all kind of in the works uh, even before that collaboration, so it's, uh, it's been a, a long time, you know, and it's been kind of all I've ever done, but it certainly was kind of a, a pulling on my life from very young. I was prepared to go to university, but I felt that, you know, I could really give something to the world if I could 
in music and people seem to really respond to it even when I was very young. So yeah, I feel extremely lucky that I actually got to do this thing. <laughs> oh, it's 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 wonderful. We trust me, we're all very happy that you became a musician. Yeah. Uh thank well, you. You know, what would you be doing though if you wouldn't have been struck by this musical muse? Uh what would have been the job that you would have been striving for if you would have taken a different route? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think I was quite drawn to the idea of um, you know university and academia. I read a lot. Um, I have a great interest in philosophy and books on theology and different religious thought. I think I could have gone to university to study something in that realm. Maybe moved into social you know work. I, I'm definitely passionate about people, and um, I wonder. I'm not entirely sure, but um, I do. I do think it would have to be something in the realm of like you know people and this because that's kind of the stuff that I think about most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Communicating with people and maybe, uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that a little bit. Would you become a teacher maybe? I don't know. I mean, I think I would work, want to work on like a level of maybe like university students or something. I don't know. Maybe I would deep into academia. Who knows? I just think it would be so wonderful to be so well um, read on a certain you know, topic like philosophy, like, you know, religion or something. I think it would be very fascinating to be able to be an expert on a subject so um, broad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I think that that'd be be awesome, too. Um, All right, let's talk a little bit more about Primal Heart. It's a great album. Uh, It speaks sonically on so many different levels. Um, You know, and people often view music as a different type of language. Uh, what kind of message are you hoping to share with people uh, through Primal Heart? I'm so glad you asked. Um, you know, a lot of it does come from the title. Uh, it was actually the co-producer, John Congleton, that suggested I call the record Primal Heart because it comes from a lyric in a song called Human, which people will hear soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, I've got a heart that's primal because I need your love for my survival. And, um, you know, at the surface level, that might not mean much, but when you think more about it, it's this idea of, you know, humans being, adding this primal heart that really, you know, survives off human connection and off love. And, you know, it's a very kind of vulnerable statement in a way, um, but also empowering at the same time. And so I think it came the theme of, of the whole record, because I realized each of these songs speak to a very primal part of um, humans and relationships, whether that's greed, ego, pride, you know, ambition, striving, compassion, love, you know, selflessness. These are all things that are part of the primal heart. And I want to speak to people at that level. I want to find that that kind of innermost thing that connects us all. Um, I think the more that we speak to each other on that level, the more we realize that we are all exactly the same when we get down to that level. The primal heart, you know, it's a very important message. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with you. It's it's very important, and it strikes a lot of visuals in my mind. Just hearing the word "primal heart," uh, you know, a lot of like animal animalistic kind of visuals. Now, this might be a weird question, but do you, Kimbra, have a spirit animal? <laughs> I've never thought about it. I've certainly thought about it. I used to think that you know, um, sometimes when I see myself in the studio or you know working being at my happiest, I feel like I'm kind of like a monkey, you know, I see this kind of playfulness in myself and maybe that ability to just be like very spontaneous and impulsive and maybe that's monkey-like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, 
<laughs> it fits so well too because you know when you see you on stage, you can see this kind of energy come out, and and it's yeah, almost yeah, like you're it's a little bit monkey like, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess you could say Not that. I'd say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I took another look at your at your Instagram, and it's a great way to just share your message with people. I saw that you were reading a lot of really positive affirmation books as well. Is there something you tell yourself in the morning to get up and get ready to go for the day, like a affirmation or maybe a motto? Mm, well, I'd say, you know, most of the books that I'm reading are often coming from a place of, um, yeah, more on the philosophy, theology. I'm, I'm very drawn to, um, I don't know if you're you know, aware of the, the mystics of every religion. They're kind of the, I guess, when the institutional part of religion starts to um, cement itself on a society, there's always the mystics that sort of go to the desert or go to the monasteries and kind of, you know, are very deep in meditation and about sort of this experiential experience with God or what they believe to be God. And I read a lot about that because I think, I know that I'll need more of that sort of um, unifying language rather than divisive language. And yeah, I mean, one of my big mantras is generally gratitude. Um, and I think that comes from a lot of those authors as well. And um, trying to wake in the morning aware that, um, you know, there's much to be thankful for that day and kind of walking into the day ready to sort of find those blessings, even if they might be hard to find on a certain day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that gives me a lot of strength. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, so we're speaking with Kimber. She's playing here in Chicago on February 3rd at Concord Music Hall. Um, you know, I did want to know, we ask this to a lot of our artists who we speak to, uh, the idea of guilty pleasures. It's, it's, a, it's a very, you know, gray line kind of thing. Uh, often people say that there aren't any guilty pleasures in, in the world. But do you, <laughs> do you have any guilty pleasures, whether it be music or, you know, day-to-day activities or things you just can't... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. I mean, I consider them, I, I mean, I think the things I'm about to say have wonderful qualities to them, so I don't want to act as though they are negative, <laughs> but it's kind of what comes with the guilty pleasure, you know, maybe like binge eating or kind of like the sense of like non-stop obsessiveness that comes with it. So for me, it's like C.O.C., you know, One Tree Hill, like Dawson's Creek. I'm a big sucker for these romantic, you know, sitcoms of the 90s or 2000s, yeah. and I'll just go seasons of them, you know, back to back. And I mean, I love it, but I'll just, you know, I'll be there with ice cream, just with a girlfriend, and we'll just go straight for like a weekend. And that's a pretty guilty pleasure, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm, I'm actually jealous of that guilty pleasure. I would love to have ice cream with Kimber one of these days. It's a pretty fun day. I mean, honestly, it's like, you know, you really get in the spirit of it, and, you know, it's actually quite memorable. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, okay. So you're coming to Chicago. I got to know, do you have any hot spots you have to hit up while you're in the city, or do you have any fond memories of Chicago when you come through town? Uh, I really like Chicago. I had such a fun show there. I remember one in particular was um, on Halloween, and my band just stopped like crazy. Like they came from the band Kiss or something. It was insane, and everyone was just so high and pumped, and it was it was really 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 lots of fun. I I, I don't know about it, exact places that I'll visit. I do have friends, you know, there. Um, Chancellor Webber and his crew, you know, they've kind of become friends and been on some more festival circuits. So I'm going to try and catch up with some of those guys and hopefully I can hit up some good food and all the good stuff. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And you are more than welcome here at the WGN studios if you want to get some ice cream and watch some One Tree Hill. Aww, and watch <laughs> <your thing. laughs> 
Thank you. You're very welcome. All right, Kimberly, you're going to be playing here in Chicago on February 3rd. You already knew that. Here at the Chicago Concord Music Hall. Uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us here today on Sound Sessions. Good luck on the tour. Thank you so much. We'll see you at the show. Can't get enough of Sound Sessions? Like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Sound Sesh Pod, and check us out on Instagram at Sound Sessions WGN.